Welcome to Burlington Humane, the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society, Ontario's premier no-kill shelter. Bye, society. Bye, society. Burlington Humane is my society. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Burlington Humane, the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society. My name is Doug, and I'm coming to you from beautiful Burlington, Ontario, Canada. On this episode of Burlington Humane, we're going to talk with Treasure Hunt, who is a feline behaviorist. We'll talk about how to safely introduce yourself to a cat. We'll learn about raw food and what you need to know about feeding your dog a raw food diet with Robin Saar from Vet Strategy. And we'll hear about all the latest news and events. So stay with us for this and much more on Burlington Humane. We have so many different cats at Burlington Humane, and it's very important to approach each cat safely and confidently. I talked with Treasure Hunt, a feline behaviorist, who gave me some really good strategies to interact safely around our feline friends. I'm here with Treasure Hunt, who is a cat behaviorist. Welcome, Treasure, to Burlington Humane. Thank you, Doug. It's lovely to be here. Excellent. Now, as you can imagine, here at Burlington Humane, we have a lot of different volunteers and staff members who are coming in and working with the cats. And sometimes the cats are not always that friendly to our dedicated volunteers and staff. What are some of the ways that we can, how can we approach cats to make it a little less stressful on both parties? Well, I think the most important thing to remember for anybody who's working with cat, not only cats, but any animal is that your energy matters, right? So you can be, you know, if you're excited and you're going into that animal space, they're going to pick up on that. If you're scared and you're going into that animal space, you're going to pick, they're going to pick up on it. If you're feeling sad or any of those things, they're going to kind of pick up on that. So I always say the first thing to be very mindful of when approaching any animal, especially a cat is how am I feeling right now? Am I in a good place to have this encounter? Because if you're super stressed out and this is your first experience with that cat and the cat's already stressed out, they're maybe in a new environment or, you know, they've had some things go on or they've just been shaken up because they moved around or they just don't know you. And you're going in with, you know, a whole bunch of excitement. Hey, kitty, kitty, kitty. Now, if you can imagine from their perspective how that might feel, right? Because a cat, they're not just a predator, they're prey animal too. That's how they survive in the world as they have these really heightened senses that protect them, not only help them to find prey, but also protect them from being prey themselves. So their nervous system is hardwired to always be really hypersensitive to input. So when they're in a stressful situation, their danger radar is already going off really high. 
They don't know what you're saying. They don't know who you are. They can't understand your signals necessarily. All they feel is your energy. And when they're the wild, that's what they're picking up from their predators. That's what they're picking up from their prey. And it informs their their instinctual behavior. So by just being mindful of your own energy and your own state of mind and how you approach, you're already going to get a better reaction. You come in with some calm, not even necessarily sound. Actually, one of the things that I do not do when I approach a cat I don't know is talk to them. I just kind of really? let them see me, let them get a, a, a whole view of me. And let them kind of investigate me before I talk. And then when I do talk, I try to do eye contact first and not like direct eye contact, soft eye contact. You're being vulnerable to them in that moment. And that's a powerful statement to an animal that is a predator and a prey animal, right? Has a lot of meaning the way that cats move their eyes. They don't close their eyes if they're scared. Neither do the animals they hunt. So if you're kind of coming in and being really soft and, and relaxed, they will be like, okay, so this creature doesn't see me as a threat. Why? Maybe, maybe they aren't so scary. That happens like an instantaneous thing for them, you know, in terms of their, their radar of what's going on in their situation, but it can make a huge difference when you're approaching them. If you know a cat's really friendly and likes that kind of stuff, but if you don't know what you're dealing with, you're more likely to get a, a calm or at least a curious reaction by approaching quietly. And levels matter. So if you have a cat that's in a cage or, or a crate, you want to try and come in at their level as much nice. as possible instead of above them mm -hmm. because a predator is going to be above them right? And their vulnerable spot is above them. So if you're kind of coming in at their level, there's less for them to worry about, right? The radar is calming down a little bit and you're giving them an opportunity to actually come forward to you, which is what you want. Excellent. It's better if you can move them to you. There's something that unlocks in their brain when they move forward. If you can get them curious, automatically you're coming from a better place, right? Good. Yeah, that's great advice. That's something all of our volunteers can can learn from. Definitely. I worked with a lot of different groups, whether it's like fosters with small rescues or shelter, um, you know, positions. And the one thing that's empowering for everybody is knowledge, because you have one person who learns something like this, and then they teach everybody else who comes in. And then suddenly you've raised the standard of care for the animals because they're less stressed. And, but you're also empowering people to be able to make, like help these animals better and make better decisions because then they're not like, hey, this is a feral cat. No, this isn't a feral cat. This is a scared cat. And there's a distinction, you know? Yeah. Sometimes they seem the same because a scared cat is going to go back and act almost like a feral cat. They're going to revert a little bit to their instincts so sometimes it's hard to tell when you've got a cat that's that scared and then once you get to know a cat or you know a cat that's really friendly are there still ways of approaching them yeah you want to kind of let them know that you're there always and take guidance from there so if they're you know you're coming up to them and Normally they would be moving forward to you, but they're not right now. Well, maybe they want a quiet moment. It's like people, not everybody wants to be touched all the time. I think because we're bigger than them and we think we're smarter than them, 
we impose ourselves on our yeah. animals a lot. And that doesn't make them any happier than it would for us. If you have a clingy person around, who's always like touching you and you're just like, Oh, I need my space. Give me back my bubble, please. You know, or if yeah. somebody has small children and they want to be on you all the time, at some point you're like, okay, please stop. And yeah, cats I'm- and dogs, even any animal is the same way. They need a little bit of autonomy. So by even just being mindful of their space when you come into it can create a lot more um, respect and a lot more of a bond with that yeah. animal. Yeah, I, I'm fostering a cat right now and I'm very touchy-feely with my cats and I'll go down and I'll pet her and she'll move just out of arm's length. Mm-hmm. She wants to be in the same room with me, she follows me around and I just want to go in there and love on her, but she'll just move right out of the way. <laughs> yeah. And I've had cats like that. I've had cats um, with neurological conditions, for example, where touching them was too much stimulation, where it actually comes to the point of almost pain, um, hyperesthesia type oh. things where literally that cat can't tolerate that touch. It's too stimulating for them. And mm-hmm. often then they turn out acting aggressively or what seems like aggression. Yep. Actually, it's just them protecting themselves, right? From what feels like pain. They don't understand why they feel that way. They just know they're going to stop it before it starts. And are there particular places to, that a, that a cat prefers to be petted? I know with dogs, they don't like being patted on the head. Well, it's it's not even like a lot of it's their energy, right? Most cats, you have to consider what are the danger zones? They're, they're predators and prey as prey animals. Their danger zones are their back and their stomach, right? And where do cats often get twitchy if you overdo it a little bit of the back and the stomach, right? So they have a lot of nerves in those places. Those are very delicate spaces for them. The organs are in the stomach, you know, the back, spine. So they're very protective of those areas. And they will automatically, especially if they're a little bit more sensitive, those will be the areas that will trigger them first. So with a cat, I like to let them sniff me a little bit, but under the chin always. Okay. is the best spot to start because cats also have scent glands in their chin and those scent glands, what they're doing is they're marking you when a cat comes up and they rub against you. It's not just because they love you. They're marking their turf. Right. <laughs> and we use this a lot. We're introducing new cats is uh, creating what they call a clouder scent. So cats in a, in a clouder will rub against each other. There'll be one cat that'll go around and rub everybody and it creates a group scent becomes an identifier So you're identifying yourself by, you know, covering yourself in that cat scent kind of as a comfort thing. It's part of their group. So always under the chin, behind the ears, if they'll allow it. Generally around the face is better. If they like the back and the stomach, they'll let you know. Like a cat that wants their belly rubbed, sometimes they'll roll on their belly. And if you touch it, they're cool with it. But even that, they'll only tolerate for so long sometimes. It's it's almost like a bank account, right? They're a bank account of energy and you can take energy from it by playing with them and, and yeah. you know, doing those kinds of things, or you can add to it by petting them or interacting with them. And once they hit their limit, they can't really tolerate more. It, you know, banks closed, you're done. That's when you'll get the nips or the bites or the, the yeah. reactions, or they get up and run away. They've just had enough. So that's okay. They're letting you know. And in some chats, 
Yeah, you have to, because it can turn into aggression problems. Actually, if you don't, you're, you're pushing them to their limits. It's like, if somebody's smacking you, eventually you're going to be like, stop. And then you have to get physical and move them away. It becomes the same kind of thing. They're like, no, I can't handle anymore. Oh, you're not respecting my space. We're back to that again. I'm going to have to stop you because I can't. And this is something we definitely need to teach our children as well. Yeah, it's I, so important for kids to learn how to handle animals very young because they, yeah. especially with cats, children have so much energy and cats, depending on their circumstances, again, they're energy animals. They're like little sponges. They absorb that energy. And if it's too much for them to handle, that's where you come into aggression problems and stuff like that. So teaching children to, you know, a good thing to do, take the kid out to play at the park and get a lot of energy out before they interact with the cat if they're really young. So then they're coming to the cat with that lowered energy level and then they're learning from that or allow the cat and the child to expend energy together, get a nice long fish toy and get them to chase it around and let that be the way that they interact so that they're learning each other from a safe place because kids can get hurt cat bites and scratches are no oh, joke people don't think about it because you know they hear about dog bites and stuff like that yeah. don't realize that cat bites can be very very serious so everything you can do to avoid that is, is a good idea especially with kids yeah. wow that's great advice that's something all of us can learn from yes well, definitely. thank you so much treasure Wonderful advice. And I hope everybody puts that to use so that we can have a really good relationship with our cats. Yes, excellent. Thank you so much, Doug. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us here at Burlington Humane. Bye-bye. motorcycle and join us for Rough Ride, Burlington Humane's motorcycle charity ride. Mark Sunday, September 18th on your calendar. We will have a scenic run starting at 9.30 at the shelter and a barbecue and refreshments afterwards. Mayor of Burlington, Marianne Mead Ward, will be at the event to start the ride. You can register online at burlingtonhumane.ca. You can find our Rough Ride page under the News and Events tab. Ledge forms and route maps are also available on our website. So tune up your bike for a day of riding and fun on September 18th to support the animals at Burlington Humane's Rough Ride. Many people are feeding their dogs a diet of raw pet food. I talked with Robin Saar of Vet Strategies. Robin is a registered veterinary technician who specializes in nutrition and microbiomes. I learned all about raw pet food diet.
I'm here with Robin Saar, who is the National Nutritional Ambassador for Vet Strategies. Welcome, Robin, to Burlington Humane. Hi there. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk about nutrition in our pets. Excellent. Wonderful. You know, I've heard a lot about raw food diet. That seems to be all the rage right now. What's that about? I know, right? Definitely. We have some some people and it's increasing how many people are feeding raw pet food diets. And actually in the United States, it's increased so much that that the regulating bodies down there have implemented some regulations for their food. Because there are some concerns when feeding raw food, right? We definitely have uh, bacterial contamination risks, right? Not necessarily for the pets, but we do have to worry about ourselves. Yeah. So and down when in you the... say, sorry, when you say raw food, is that like going to the butcher and getting yes. a, and getting some pork chops and slava beef and chicken giblets and giblets and? You bet. I guess I should kind of say that first. So raw food is a big category. It can be lots of different things. So in Canada, we don't have very many regulations, but we do have one that all meat should be certified by a CFIA, so Canadian Food Inspection Agency oh, yeah. uh, person. Yeah. So technically, you should not be going to the person down the road who slaughtered their own animal and getting uh-huh. meat from them. It yeah. should be really graded for human consumption, okay. right? So all meat by your pet should have that certification in Canada. What we don't have in Canada is regulations for um, making sure that food is complete and balanced. So even if you go to your pet store, you may have a food that says it's raw food and it's good for your pet and here we go, but it may not be complete and balanced. So you need to look at the label on that and look for a statement on that food. It's called nutritional adequacy statement. And that statement's going to tell you how they've determined if this food is good for your pet Did they do a feeding trial? Did they formulate it? Which all diets have to have a recipe and be formulated. But did they do that? And what life stage is this food ready for? So is it for your growing dog, your nursing mom, your adult dog? Who is this food for? Okay, so when I when I think of raw food, I think of, you know, you've gone to the supermarket and you've bought your your meat from the meat counter and you're just slicing it up and giving it to your pet. But that doesn't address the balance issue, does yeah. it? No. And I guess I skipped over that part, didn't I? Because the raw part can be just some people give just some meats. Some people give meat and bones. Sometimes they do that with a supplement. Sometimes they do that with some raw vegetables. Sometimes they do that with some carbohydrates. It's all over the map what is out there. And again, because we're not regulated in Canada, when you go buy some, hopefully we can get into the homemade part in a second, but if you're buying it from a pet store, it still may not be balanced for your pet. And it's really hard to balance. So when we look at balancing these diets, we have those raw diets that maybe are not balanced, homemade diets, if you're making a homemade diet, or if you're just giving your pet, well, I have egg and toast every morning. And so he gets some of that. We're looking at not balanced diets. Yeah, because that's exactly what my grandfather did. You know, know. he sat down for his eggs and bacon and so did the dog. Yep, my (laughs) my parents, the Dashens always got the crust of the toast, right? And and that all seemed great until they got really chubby and then their backs went. So definitely not ideal. And so when we think about people, right, we say, well, he's going to eat like I eat. But how many of us are actually truly healthy? 
right? When we think of the overall population of humans, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I know I definitely am not healthy. And with humans, we live a lot longer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a pet on average is going to live between 10 and 20 years. And humans, we're going to live hopefully 80 to 100 years. So we have more time to balance out our diets. Mm. Our pets don't have as much time to balance out their diets. They also have different nutritional needs than us. So if we eat a certain type or amount of protein, theirs are different than ours. So it's really hard to balance a pet out. So by giving them table scraps and thinking you're supplementing, you may actually be creating an imbalance. And an imbalance can be too much of something or too little of something. So Mm. malnourished actually goes both ways. If we're overweight, we're actually malnourished because we're getting too much of something that we don't need. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. That happens with our pets as well. And definitely. And I think we're almost getting more used to our pets looking overweight and thinking that that's normal. Right. Yeah. So, so in people, as we get bigger, we get more curvy, right? We get yeah. rolls, we kind of get curvy, but our pets actually get more straight. They get more straight lines. And so I don't want to see straight lines in my pet. When I look from the side, I want to see the curve of their chest up into their belly. So it's nice and tight little, little, uh, waist area. And when I look down at my pet, I want to see their neck curve into their shoulders, curve into their ribs, curve into their hips. I want to see curves in my pet. Maybe not in me, but definitely in my pet. If I look down at my pet or look from the side and I just see it go from the chest straight across, that's not a good sign. That means my pet is overweight. Hmm. Um, so definitely. And of course, if we're overweight, Our body is in inflammation all the time. It's chronic. It's ongoing inflammation. And we know that when we're inflamed, our risk of disease goes up. We don't want that for our pets. We want them to live as long as they can because they're not with us for very long. So definitely we want to do complete and balanced. And there are different ways you can do that. There's different tools that the veterinarian team can use, but it's not easy. It's not easy to formulate a diet. Um, even with my specialized training, I cannot formulate a diet. I would need to use a formulation machine to enter in different things for it to tell me. And it's very exact. You can't just go grab beef or ground beef. It would have to have a specific amount of fat in it. So it's not a simple thing to, to do. The formulating of diets is not easy. So just kind of remember that when you're, when you're looking for those things. We want complete and balanced. We supplements are not always better. And to make sure that we are looking to see if our diet is formulated and maybe not adding too many extra treats into their diet. So can you go to the the pet store and actually buy a commercially made raw diet? You can. And there's a variety of them out there. And again, there are some that do have that statement. So there's actually a company out of the US and that's your best chance at getting a balanced diet. I don't know all the diets, so I don't know which ones exactly are or not balanced, but I want to look for that statement because out of the US, there is a company that actually did feeding trials on their raw food, which just means a bit better indication than that food is complete and balanced for that pet. And and the statement that you're looking for is... That one that says if the diet has feeding trials or is formulated and for what life stage is it formulated for growth, all life stages, adult or gestation, lactation. Those are the words I'm looking for. Okay. So feeding trial, formulated, and then what life stage? Because again, if I have a senior pet, I don't really want to feed it a food that's formulated for growth. 
Or if I have a growing dog, I don't want to feed it an adult formulated food because he's not going to get enough. So that statement is really important. If that statement is not on that bag of food, do not buy it. Keep looking. Okay. Very, very interesting. So raw diet isn't just giving your pet table scraps. That's right. No, raw diet is very, um, very different needs than a homemade cook diet. And of course, when we're not cooking food, we are looking at an increased risk of contamination. So salmonella, E. coli, there's a bunch of different bacterias. So we do have to be more cautious if we're feeding raw in a certain home, right? So if that home is feeding uncooked meat products, uncooked food products, Mm -hmm. then they just have extra things they have to do to make sure things are clean. That if there's someone who's immune compromised, so someone that could get ill very easily, maybe they shouldn't feed raw, maybe they need to just be more cautious. And also pets that are getting fed raw should not get antibiotics. So if your pet is getting antibiotics, and you're feeding raw, you should discontinue that raw food while they're on antibiotics. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, antibiotic resistance, right? So there's a few more things raw people that are feeding true raw food have to worry about than just complete and balanced. So we should really be talking to our veterinarian as well if we're looking at raw, raw diet. Yeah, because making a diet be balanced is not easy. So there are tools out there that could be utilized. There are diets out there that that do um, have the diet listed as complete and balanced. So you don't have to worry about supplementing food. I hate supplementing things because how do I know what's in the diet and how much more to put on, right? We want to make sure we're doing it safely. Yeah. So definitely I would I would reach out to the vet team. Again, look at Wasava, find different, um, you know, vet board certified nutritionists that will help you make a complete and balanced diet for whichever way you choose to feed your pet. That really is the most important that it's complete and balanced. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Robin, for joining us here at Burlington Humane. I've learned so much about food, food and diets. Amazing. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Hopefully some people got some information that will help them uh, be able to choose a pet food for their pet. Wonderful. Definitely. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. She's there for you when work is stressful. She's there for you when life is hard. She's there for you when you need a friend. Be there for her. Register for Pet First Aid today. The next course is September 4th here at Burlington Humane.
And now it's time for news and events. You will be relieved to know that Burlington Humane now has a mandatory vaccination policy. All volunteers, staff, and guests who will be in the shelter longer than 15 minutes need to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. You will also need to show your proof of vaccination before entering Burlington Humane. Due to these initiatives, guests, staff, and volunteers can be reassured that they indeed will stay safe while visiting Burlington Humane. It has been a long, hot summer, and Burlington residents have been able to enjoy Nelson Pool, run by the city of Burlington. It is now time for your dog to take part in the swimming fun. On Saturday, September 10th, your dog can join in our pooch plunge. Register your dog for a 45-minute swim. The swim is open for dogs only, while owners keep watch to ensure their dog's safety. For extra safety, you can bring your dog's life jacket. Go to our website to register your dog in one of four time slots beginning at 1 p.m. until 5 p.m. at Nelson Pool in Burlington. Join us for Burlington Humane's Pooch Plunge. Burlington Humane is a nonprofit organization and we rely completely on donations from our generous supporters to continue finding forever homes for our animals. We do not receive any type of government grants from municipal, provincial, or federal governments. If you are able to make a donation to Burlington Humane, it will go a long way to helping our animals. All donations of $20 or more will receive an income tax receipt. You may choose to donate monthly so you can provide continued support to Burlington Humane. You can even leave a legacy by providing a bequest in your will and ensure that your support continues long into the future. All donations are very much appreciated. Thank you from Burlington Humane. Be sure to stay informed about all the animals that are available for adoption. We currently feature daily videos of one of our available animals. We're also doing videos of our available animals in the shelter and in foster care. Be sure to subscribe to our social media pages to watch these videos. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel entitled Burlington Humane, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Videos of our animals can also be found on our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca. Stay informed and up to date with Burlington Humane. Rev up your motorcycle and join us for Rough Ride, Burlington Humane's motorcycle charity ride. Mark Sunday, September 18th on your calendar. We will have a scenic run starting at 9.30 at the shelter and a barbecue with refreshments afterwards. Mayor of Burlington, Marianne Mead Ward, will be at the event to start the ride. You can register online at www.burlingtonhumane.ca. You can find our Rough Ride page under the News and Events tab. Pledge forms and route maps are also available on our website. So tune up your bike for a day of riding and fun to support the animals at Burlington Humane's Rough Ride. We have new hours at Burlington Humane. 
Our hours are now Tuesday through Saturday between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. and are now open for walk-in adoptions. You can speed up the adoption process by filling out our adoption application ahead of time. The application is found on our website at burlingtonhumane.ca. You can preview all of our available animals ahead of time on our website. When you come in, you will complete the application, have an interview with our adoption counselor, and if you're approved to adopt, you will be escorted through our cat rooms to meet our animals. We ask that everyone wear a mask in the shelter and that all members of the family who will be living with the cat join the appointment. We look forward to seeing you. Are you prepared to help your pet in the event of an accident? What will you do until you can get them to a veterinarian? Burlington Humane and Peninsula Pet First Aid is partnering to offer Walks and Wags Pet First Aid course. Walks and Wags Pet First Aid course is the national leading and longest standing pet first aid course in Canada. It has earned the stamp of approval from Animal Wellness, North America's top animal wellness magazine. This hands-on course gives you the skills and confidence to deal with illness and emergencies. The 10-hour course deals with how to prevent injuries, early signs of illness and poisoning, bandaging and splinting techniques, emergency medical conditions, choking, artificial respiration, and CPR, and much, much more. Upon successful completion, you will receive a certificate valid for three years. Our next course will be September 4th. Go to our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca for more information. To find the latest information about events, ways to make a donation, the animals that are up for adoption, and much more, visit our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to stay in touch and up to date with Burlington Humane. Summer is coming, and everyone is looking forward to beautiful sunny days. However, when the temperature soars, a parked car can quickly become a furnace, endangering an animal's life. Even on relatively mild days, with the car parked in the shade and the window slightly open, an animal can die in a parked car. With only hot air to breathe, a dog's normal cooling process, panting, doesn't work. Even a short time in a hot environment can be life-threatening. I left the window down for him. It's not too hot for me. I wasn't going to be gone long. No more excuses. It's imperative that each of us, as animal owners, is responsible in providing the proper care for our pets. Never leave a pet unattended in a vehicle. Owners who choose to leave pets unattended may face charges under the Criminal Code of Canada. And if you see an animal unattended in a vehicle, report it. 
call 911 or your local police. No more excuses. Act fast, save a life. For more information, go to www.nohotpets.ca. No more excuses. Nohotpets.ca. Well, that's it for this episode of Burlington Humane, the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society. I want to thank our guests, Treasure Hunt and Robin Sarr. Be sure to subscribe to Burlington Humane on iTunes. We are located at 740 Griffith Court in Burlington, Ontario. You can visit our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca or Give us a call at 905-637-7325. You can also find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. My name is Doug. We'll see you next time on Burlington Humane. Bye-bye. My society, my society, Burlington Humane is my society.